Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, good afternoon and welcome. How is everyone after a very, very busy weekend? Another Chamber of Commerce day today. Just, just bottle it up and enjoy it while we can. It's Monday. It's October 10th. It's the year 2022. No Cajuns to talk about. No Cowboys to talk about. But a lot to talk about with the Saints and a lot to talk about with the LSU Tigers. One good, one not so good. And we'll delve into it. All today, my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. That studio is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, well, just pop on that television set if you've got one because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Doesn't take a Rhodes Scholar, a Philadelphia lawyer, whatever cliche you want to use to win a game. You get the ball in your best player's hands and you let them do what they do best. Taysom Hill, been hurt a lot this season. Alvin Kamara, been hurt a lot this season. They weren't hurt yesterday. And because of that, the Saints won a shootout, a wild 39-32 had to have it win against Seattle on Sunday. It snapped a three-game losing streak, and the way it was accomplished, it was a high-scoring seesaw survival of the fittest shootout. It really was. Six league changes, five touchdowns or of 35 or more yards, two 56-yard field goals. And when it all settled, the Saints were winners. They were winners. Um, No Michael Thomas. No Jarvis Landry. Then they lost cornerback Marshawn Lattimore during the game. They lost receiver Chris Olave during the game. And they lost return specialist Deontay Hardy during the game. And still, the Saints figured it out with a performance of the ages for one Taysom Hill, who rushed for a career-high 112 yards and three touchdowns. He passed for another in no question, no doubt, his greatest performance of his career. Alvin Kamara had a monster game as well. He shook off an early fumble, produced his biggest game of the season. 103 yards rushing, 91 yards receiving. You got the ball in your best player's hands, and those two players delivered yes the offensive line had to open up holes yes the defense had to come up with um a dominant situational effort they held the seahawks to one of nine on third down conversions 
0 for 1 in red zone conversions. You put it all together, it wasn't the prettiest of wins, but whatever it takes, the Saints found a way to win it yesterday. And boy, did they need it desperately because on the heels of that trip to London and the loss and ahead of next week's highly anticipated showcase against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, Saints couldn't afford to fall to one and four. They just couldn't. They had to get it. So what you going to do when you go to the Saints game? Are you really a Saints fan or are you more so a Joe Burrow fan are going to pull for the Cincinnati Bengals? will be interesting to see. It's a very hot ticket. It was as soon as the schedule came out. And we'll see if they are truly loyal Saints fans or does LSU come out and rule the day. It'll be a very interesting mindset. We will have much more on this game. And boy, the Saints crowd was into it. Another sellout crowd amped from the opening kickoff. And uh, they hadn't seen the team in quite a while. And they were there, and they did their thing. Meanwhile, the LSU Tigers. Um, I guess the best way to sum it all up is we're just not ready yet. Um, Got to get better players. Yes, you lost some offensive linemen. The depth factor there is atrocious. The quarterback had no time to throw. The running backs could not run through a wet paper bag. They they just couldn't get anything going on the ground. So the offense was playing from behind quickly down 10 zip. The offense was uh, mediocre at very, very best. The defense, when you line up against a um, a really good high-level high-quality quarterback, it just goes to show you that we're just not there. We're just not there. And special teams, they continue weak at... I like Brian Polian. He's a good guy. But Brian Polian is not going to be my special teams coordinator. He's like a weatherman. No offense to all you weathermen, but y'all make mistakes like crazy. You make mistakes like crazy, and you keep your job. Brian Polian has made mistake after mistake. He's in charge of that group, and they can't do anything right. They can't do anything. And therefore, they got to make a change. They got to make a change. So this was a complete and utter team loss. Josh Heupel outcoached the heck out of Brian Kelly. Just remember where Tennessee was in 2019 and where LSU was in 2019. The greatest individual season by a team, maybe in college football history, and Tennessee was down there with three and four wins. They make the hire of the coach. He gets out there. He gets to recruit his players. He gets to put his system in. Now look where they are three short years later. The program's not in bad shape, okay? it's you just got to get players and you got to get better players. When was the last time an LSU offense ran the ball 28 times and gained 39 yards? 28 carries. Excuse me. They gained 55 yards. Pardon me. 
55 yards running the ball. Josh Williams, seven carries, 11 yards. John Emery Jr., four carries, four yards. Noah Kane, one carry, three yards. Now, I know they fell behind, and you had to throw the ball 45 times. 45 times did Jaden Daniels have to do that. He completed 32 of them, so a good percentage. Had one interception, had one touchdown, threw for 300 yards, sacked five times, running for his proverbial life. Running for his life. So, now you look, LSU has to go play against Florida on Saturday at a 6 o'clock game. Uh, Florida gets a win over Missouri. Florida loses to Tennessee in Knoxville. They rallied back and fought hard. They've got one of those quarterbacks that if you get him on the wrong day, he can destroy you. If you get him on the right day, he'll give you the game. But when you look at LSU's schedule the rest of the way, wow, they've got Florida, 6 o'clock on Saturday. They come back home against unbeaten Ole Miss. That's a 2.30 kickoff. Then they've got Alabama. I mean, they got six games left. If they can split and go three and three, that would be pretty, pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. I don't know. This is when this is when you really got to coach and you got to have leaders because now everybody's jumping off the bandwagon. You just got you just got handed a good old proverbial woodshed beatdown. It wasn't even close from the beginning. Just wasn't close. Tennessee toyed with LSU 40 to 13. Tennessee undefeated now gets their golden opportunity that they've waited and waited and waited for for so long. They get Alabama in their backyard. Their golden opportunity has finally arrived. Finally. That will be the must-see game of the weekend. Two undefeateds. Will Alabama have their quarterback, Bryce Young? We'll talk with Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, to get his impact on that. Ole Miss keeps winning. Texas A&M keeps losing. Yeah, yep, something else. Crazy weekend. Oklahoma looks awful. TCU looks pretty darn good. Um, So we'll go over all things with college football. Chris Roseverglue will join us here in just a minute. We've already had one firing in the NFL. Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers uh, after a one-and-four start, done. First head coach firing in the NFL yet. Hey, Nebraska, go get on a plane, go fly, and don't let Matt Rule tell you no. Come up with whatever money it takes because he did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. He can do it at Nebraska. Build a program up and make them a contender. How many good college coaches have we seen go to the NFL and fail? Nebraska? This is your chance. You cannot miss out on this opportunity. Matt Rule's your guy. Go get him and go get him now and sign him up. Sign him up. Plain and simple. Um, Pelicans win yet again. Good to see uh, Mr. Murphy light it up for seven threes in the ballgame. That's why they drafted him out of Virginia with the uh, – 
with a high draft pick a year ago, gone through the ropes. Can he be that consistent three-point shooter? We can only hope. We can only hope. Major League Baseball is um, is set. We've got uh, the wild card round is over. Padres in the last game that went to three games, best out of three, shut out the Mets six zip. So now tomorrow, game one of the NLDS, Phillies at the Braves at 12.07. Game one of the ALDS, Astros host the Mariners, 2.37 first pitch. It'll be here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. That will be followed by the Guardians versus the Yankees at 637. And the nightcap out west, the Padres take on the Dodgers at 837 p.m. So we will have the Astros on Tuesday at 237. We'll have the Astros on Thursday at 237. Games one and two here on the game. And Major League Baseball this time of the year is absolutely sensational. All right, those are your headlines of the day. When we come back after our first time out of the day, Chris Roseville-Glue will join us. We'll talk all about the New Orleans Saints. Now, look, it's um, October the 10th. It's time to face your worst nightmares with the game's 13th gate giveaway. We have your VIP tickets for the legendary haunted house attraction in Baton Rouge. And that way you can scream over and over and over again while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Who that? T-A-Y-Y, because we love you. S-O-M-H-I-L-L, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, we'll be back. Stay with us. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And we are back. Time to talk. Who that? Who that? Saints get a must-win yesterday in a seesaw. I never saw a game uh, of that type of score un, uh, evolving, 39-32 the final. The Saints get the win. They improved to 2-3. and three. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a wild one, and uh, the Saints got the ball to the, the two guys they needed to um, because they were back healthy again. Chris Roseville-Glue, kind enough to join us to share his thoughts and recap it all with us. Uh, Chris, thanks for the time, man. That was a... Uh, Man, that was like a ping pong match back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And finally, the Saints get control and win the darn thing. Yeah, it certainly was. And, and it was one of those games. And I talked about it yesterday. If, you know, someone told you final score 39 32, you'd be like, no with the way the Saints are playing this year, no way. And um, especially in the fourth quarter, whether it was the Kenneth Walker run, whether it was the Taysom Hill run towards the end, uh, to your ping pong reference, that's kind of the way it went down. And, Fortunately, you know, even on a day where the Saints' defense didn't look particularly great, they made that stop towards the end of the game that mattered, and it was probably the most complete that we've seen so far. And there's still so many things that they have to fix if they're going to right the ship. But at least for today, it's better to talk about a 2-3 and three team than a 1-4 and four team, of course. Are they going to have enough players to play? I mean, it looks like the uh, the the injury tent is uh, is – there's no more room inside of that thing. 
You know, the injuries are definitely piling up, but what I will say about it is that although there are new names kind of adding up to that injury report, Marshall Lattimore, Chris Olave, we'll kind of see how their statuses go over the next couple of days. I I do think that some names will come off that injury report. I do think that we are coming close to the return of Marcus May. I thought he was going to play actually this weekend against Seattle. I was a little bit surprised that he was listed as an inactive. So as long as he didn't have a setback, I think against Cincinnati is a really good spot for him to make his return and Boy, we know that secondary can use a safety like Marcus May back there to kind of lock things up, and his return could happen very soon. Michael Thomas is poised to return within either this Sunday or the next game against Arizona on a short week, so we'll see number 13 back in the lineup soon. It almost seems like they're tagging each other in. Now Michael Thomas and Marcus May are returning, but Marshawn Lattimore and Chris Olave are hurt, and of course Deontay Hardy could be out for the rest of the year. So it's it's one of those weird things that we're going to have to live with and hope that if some guys are getting on the injury report, some will come off soon. I think that'll be the case for the Saints. Uh, the, the victory celebration in the locker room was uh, was so loud with the smoke machine and the amplified music. Um, they set off the fire alarms in Caesar's Superdome, and Dennis Allen had to conduct his post-game news conference with the sound of the alarm blaring in the background. Um, it was an important game. They needed to win. I don't care what the score was, as long as you had one more than the other team. So, I think their post-game celebration amplified that. Yeah, I think to your point, right, like this team for the last three weeks has had to hear about, you know, what they're not good at, whether or not this is a, a throwaway year, um, you know, if the right coach is in the building. And, and look, time will answer all those questions, right? And and when we all revisit right. this in January or February, we'll kind of have a better idea of what the 2022 Saints turned out to be. But they needed to win this past weekend. And to your point, it didn't matter if it was by 20 or by two points. A win is a win for this Saints team, and with you know a Cincinnati Bengals game coming up, and you look at the rest of the schedule, we've talked about this before, Jordy, if they can just piece together a couple of wins and get some momentum going, you realize the schedule isn't nearly as tough as it looked two, three, maybe four weeks ago. Um, you know, games against the Bengals, games against the Raiders, games against the Rams, those are games that, coming into the year, you circle them as really tough matchups. Now it's like, well, if you don't have these self-inflicted wounds, that's, that's a winnable game, so just hopefully this momentum carries over to Sunday against the Bengals. And if it does, maybe we'll see the Saints put something together in a division that we've said many times is not that good. We talked about it last week, and it's not like we are the smartest people in the, in the room. It, it just It's common sense. If Alvin Kamara is healthy, you give him the ball, and you got to utilize Taysom Hill more, and the Saints did it, and you saw the results. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I know we don't want to say we're the smartest ones in the room, and I won't go that far, Jordy, but you've been a big proponent of the whole get Taysom Hill the ball. He is a weapon, and we saw it yesterday, right? That's the perfect usage of Taysom yep. Hill, short-yarded situation. Even let him throw a pass, which goes for a 20-plus-yard touchdown. So he did it all, and it was only on 30% of the offensive snaps, which makes you think if that's only 30% and you're not really wearing him down, that should be a weekly thing. I think they should continue to ride that train until the wheels come off. I think that's how it should go. And as for Kamara, I think what they did in the second half really spoke volumes. Finally got him out on the screen pass, let him get out in the flat a little bit more. And, you know, I've been screaming for them to, to get him out in open space, let him use that skill set, which is why the Saints paid him in the first place. And they did just that. A great game for him, over 100 on the ground, 90 yeah. through the air. He's going to lead this offense, regardless if Olave's healthy or if Michael Thomas is healthy. He is their best offensive player. And we saw it yesterday outside of the costly fumble. He was the go-to guy. I'm with you. Chris Roseverglue, kind enough to join us. Now it comes down to this quarterback position. 
I don't know why. And, I, and I'm not against Jameis Winston. I'm really not. But I feel a lot more at ease with Andy Dalton running the show. It doesn't seem as frenetic. It doesn't seem as as much helter-skelter. Am I crazy? You know, if, if it's compared to what we've seen from Jameis Winston this particular season, it's not crazy at all because it seemed like Jameis was pressing, forcing the issue. And we saw that with the turnovers. I mean, week two and week three had five picks in those two games combined. That's just not going to fly. So uh, if we're talking about this season, I don't think it's crazy. I think Andy Dalton for better or worse, has been the definition of a game manager. He's not going to win you the game, but he's not going to lose you the game, and that's what they've been doing. And I think at this point with the whole quarterback situation, my response to everyone is going to be, who's healthy? Who's the healthier quarterback? If it's Andy Dalton still, Andy Dalton should start. If in four weeks from now it's Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston should start. But regardless of who's playing, if you use Taysom Hill the right way, that's going to take pressure off of whoever that quarterback may be, whether it's Dalton or Jameis, and mm-hmm. get them in manageable situations. You know, And I think the Saints, with Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill sprinkled in right now, have done a good job of how many times yesterday was it third and three or third and two, and those are the down and distances that you want, not third and eight, third and seven, where right. they've been backed up in week two and week three. So I don't think it's crazy at all, and I think if Jameis does come back and you see him in that starting role again, I would like to see him almost kind of revert to what he did last year. Take what the defense gives you. It's okay yeah. if it's not a 300-yard passing game. All that matters exactly. is that it's a win. Uh, and we're seeing that. We saw that yesterday. Uh, the crowd was terrific. Seattle had four false start penalties. Uh, they were whistled for 12 total, 85 yards, nearly twice that of the Saints. It got to the point where the Saints offensive linemen could hardly uh, communicate uh, over the noise that was going on. So, man, that 12th man is pretty good when they're good. Absolutely. And, you know, just to give the, the crowd a little bit more props, this was a late arriving crowd. Uh, you know, the first quarter is about to begin, uh, and I see we're all talking about, man, what's, what's going on? Are people already out on the Saints and it's only week five? And uh, they came to play, and there were multiple moments, to your point, late in the game where you could see Geno Smith trying to get everyone set, and everything's a little bit shaky. And, um, you know, even on those moments, where in moments where Geno Smith did have a great pass down the field to Tyler Lockett or whatever, next series, the crowd's still ready to go and give them that extra juice. And they're going to need that for the rest of the year because the Superdome is no longer what it used to be in terms of teams go in and they kind of expect to lose on the road to the Saints. But that could change in a hurry if this defense starts to play the right way, the offense plays yeah. complementary football, and you see this crowd do what they did yesterday, then who knows? It's definitely something that, that will move forward. And against Cincinnati this upcoming weekend and a great quarterback in Joe Burrow, that disruption and making sure they're not communicating properly, that's going to be key for sure. The Bengals' defense limited Cincinnati yesterday in a 19-17 win over Cincinnati. Then you got to go to Arizona on a Thursday night. Uh, you get the Raiders at home. You get the Ravens at home. The Steelers aren't what they purported to be. And then the Rams at your place, they certainly aren't the same team as they were a year ago. So out of those six games, man, you could go easily, I think, four and two, don't you? Uh, look, if if they play complimentary football and they don't have all those self-inflicted wounds because they love to do it twice, they love the penalty and then they love the turnover. If the Saints cut that out, Jordy, I, I look at all those games and 4-2 and two does seem reasonable, but more importantly, every single game out of that six-game stretch that you pulled up, none of those games, if they just play that complimentary style of football, I will go in and say, oh, I don't think they can win today. No, I think they have a great shot in every single one of those. So, yeah. um, you know, let's see. If, if Sunday they beat the Bengals, that's going to be a confidence booster. You go into a yeah. short week against an Arizona team that, let's just be real right now, they have not looked very good. And 
They have their own concerns to work out. That game seems a lot more manageable than before. And you you talk about the Raiders, you talk about the Steelers. These are teams that each have one win, and and those are franchises that you didn't expect to just have one win this year. So um, it's definitely a manageable schedule. Four and two is on the table, and even better could be possible if the Saints can just play the way they played in the second half. But obviously their defense has to play a little bit better. But I do think the defense will bounce back. I'm not overly concerned about that. Just don't cough up the football on offense. And and if that happens, and if they were able to win back-to-back games starting this upcoming Sunday, I'll, I'll start to see that light at the end of the tunnel. Man, they got to get healthy. They got to get their studs back, man. But they got to get them back. Um, Chris Roseverglue, thank you so much. Um, big time win. I I, I never would have expected 70, 71 points combined. No way. But. Take the win, run with it, and now you get uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Bengals. I'm going to be curious because as soon as that game came up on the schedule, it was a tough ticket to get. Are we going to have true Saints fans, or are we going to have Saints fans who are LSU fans pulling for Joe Burrow? That's going to be interesting to me. I, I totally agree with you, and this has been a big hot topic on Twitter this Monday. You know, what are you going to wear at the game? If you're a Saints fan, you can't That's wear right. a Joe Burrow jersey at the game. We, we all love Joe Burrow. He is yep. a class act and a, a great quarterback. But if you're a Saints fan, you're going in with black and gold and nothing else because you might Man, have to lose right. your fan badge if you go in with the Joe Burrow jersey. I'm with you, Chris Roseverglue. Thank you, buddy. Always great talking Thank to you, you so man. Much. Have a great one. We will take a quick time out here when we come back Ooh, from the good to the reality check. That is LSU football. Glenn West will join us as we roll on on this Monday edition of the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Well, if you're an Astros fan, you certainly hope for better results than what we saw in Tiger Stadium on Saturday morning into the early afternoon. Tennessee just, um, wow, 40 to 13. LSU was predictable offensively. They were. Um, outmanned up front. They were out-executed on defense, awful on special teams. And look, I don't care how many games you've coached and how many wins you've accumulated. You're only as good as your last performance. And that LSU coaching staff was out-coached big time by the Tennessee Volunteers. Glenn West stops by each and every Monday, senior writer for Go247 Sports. Glenn, did I sum it up? Is that is that uh, acceptable on your terms there? I would say that was a pretty good summation of, of what happened on Saturday. They were just, um, yeah, totally outclassed, outplayed in every single way. Um, and, uh, I mean, Coach Kelly said it today. It's with us. When you're not on your – when you're not fundamentally right and you're playing a team like that that has – um, you know, I would say very high aspirations now this season, now that yeah. you've seen it for six, seven games in a row, um, they're, they're going to make you pay for every little mistake. And that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, when you essentially spot a team, 10 points on special teams, right out the gate, it just completely sucked the wind out of the tiger stadium. I mean, that muff opening kick followed by the 59 yard punt return, um, that set up just back-to-back scoring drives for, for Tennessee, um, really was the 
the nail in the coffin of the game. Honestly, it really felt like the game was over right then and there because yeah, I mean, you, can't, you can't get behind double-digit scores, yeah. uh, especially when you're beating yourselves, and that's kind of what happened with LSU on Saturday. Yeah, the fast start was important. It was necessary, and it just went the complete opposite way. I, I, I like Brian Polian, but he's like a weatherman. He's, he's been given many chances, and he keeps getting the wrong forecast. I, I would be shocked if something doesn't happen along those lines. Um, it is what it is. He doesn't go out and catch it and fumble the ball, but he's got to put the right people in the right position. And week after week after week, it gets gets worse. Yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a little bit of an enigma, I think, because you know from everything we've heard and seen, Coach Kelly's been with the special teams for those periods too. I mean, like they're trying to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever they're teaching just isn't sinking in right now. I mean, it's just really fundamental stuff, which, um, you know, catching a ball, knowing not when, you know, when to let the ball go in the end zone or when to catch it inside the 10 or, um, you know. Uh, how to stay in your lanes defensively. Yeah, how to stay, you know? yeah, yeah how to stay in your lanes, how to, how to block up front with field goals and with punts. And um, it's just been a, a real kind of failure, to be honest, in, in special teams. And, uh, you know, they they high, they value – Coach. I know that Coach Kelly values highly what Polian brings uh, from a recruiting perspective. No doubt. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you do after this season, though, because the other part of his job has just not gone right this year. As good as the recruiting is, that's as bad as, as the special teams is. So we, we'll see. Glenn West with us. Um, offensive line, can you give us an update on what the latest is with Will Campbell and what the latest is with Garrett Dellinger? Sure. So uh, Will Campbell had a really scary situation kind of happen with him on Friday. Had this episode is what it's being called. Um, had to be rushed to the hospital. They ran a bunch of different tests. Um, you know, they kind of summed it up a little bit to dehydration, but I think there's something else going on there. Um, But the, I think the biggest thing that they've said is that all the news has been positive so far about the tests that he's been given. Um, He was, you know, pretty much in the hospital throughout the entire weekend. Coach Kelly said that he was getting released on Monday. So uh, that's very good news. Um, But at the same time, if if you have a player that's in the hospital for a couple days there, I, I would seriously put his you know availability in question moving forward here absolutely uh, just want to make sure you get everything right there and and, and that he's okay um, as for Dellinger he uh, is looking to mix miss the next two weeks um, he has a grade two MCL injury um, mm. on top of that broken hand so I mean maybe it's a catch-22 here maybe you get him a couple weeks extra rest on that hand maybe that heals a little bit better um, but he'll miss this game. He'll miss the next game. Uh, and then he'll have an extra week's rest uh, between the Alabama game and Ole Miss game. So they're going to be they're going to be shuffling again. I and mean, Coach this, Kelly joked with us today. It's going to be their sixth different offensive line rotation in seven games. And that's kind of where they're at right now. Doesn't that kind of sum up where this program is? Because the lack of depth from the prior coaching staff, maybe they, they fell asleep at the whatever it is. Um, you're starting two freshmen, one gets, you know, has the incident, um, and your depth, it's just not good. And your quarterback's running for life. You can't run the football at all. That kind of, to me, sums up where this program is from a talent perspective and talent wins coaching doesn't talent wins. 
Yeah, I mean, look, from, you know, I think the early stages of the offseason, we felt like a number of positions LSU was going to be a little bit thin and that, you know, you couldn't get a whole ton of uh, injuries along the offensive line. Uh, you couldn't get a, a whole bunch of injuries in the secondary. Um, you couldn't get, um, you know, uh, injuries at running back. And they've been hit, you know, in all three areas so far. Um, you know, offensive line, they're missing two starters. Secondary, they're missing probably their biggest vocal leader on the defense and Major Burns. And you've seen exactly what's happened in the last two weeks with him going out. They're having communication issues back mm -hmm. there. They're getting beat. They're having to shuffle guys. I mean, Jarek Bernard Converse, your starting corner, is now having to play safety because you don't feel comfortable about right. the other guys that are behind him. So right. it's just um, – it's a rough spot. I mean, injuries are a part of the game. Um, LSU has felt really good about their conditioning um, throughout the entire season. Um, but these injuries have certainly cropped up on them here the last couple of weeks, and they're they're struggling to kind of make sense of where to put everybody. What would be, in your opinion, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the gauntlet. I know you know it, but I'm gonna tell you the gauntlet that LSU faces with their last six games. They've got they got to go to the swamp to play Florida. LSU's had some really good teams go there and get beat. They've got to play up at this point in time, unbeaten Ole Miss here in Baton Rouge and they got to play Alabama in Baton Rouge and they got to go to Arkansas. You get UAB. Okay. And then you finish out with Texas A&M. A&M's not what they thought they would be. Arkansas is not what they thought they would be, but out of those six games, what do you think with the, what, what you see with LSU? What do you think is realistic? Yeah. I, I think you're aiming for 500 to finish the year. Great. Yeah. Um, I think that would be an, uh, you know, I mean, you probably beat um, UAB. You probably are able to have a good showing against a, a road Florida team. Uh, and then you pull off, I guess, what many would consider an upset out of one of those final three games there against either Ole Miss, Alabama, or A&M, uh, or Arkansas. You, you, you pull out a, a, an upset over one of those mm -hmm. programs. Because right now, I think all three or four of those programs are, are right right up there with the top of the conference in terms of uh, where they are positionally, where they are just as a development program. Um, you know, I thought, you know, kind of heading into last week against Tennessee, man, that was such a good opportunity for you to at least show that you were on the rise, you know, right. and, and, and if you Ooh. didn't even win the game, just maybe be a little bit more competitive than they were. Yeah. Um, and so maybe you get one of those games mixed in here over the last several opponents you know as you learn more about your team as you get healthier um maybe you play you know one of those teams a little bit closer than maybe people think you should uh and that can give you some momentum but really they're going to be scrambling for everything i mean they 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 i don't think they're going to be favored in a ton of these games All right uh and you know they just they gotta they gotta figure out ways to to pull off a couple upsets here i've always believed take the saints for instance they got the ball to their two best players and Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill and, and turn them loose. You put your best players on the field. I don't care what you have to do. You always put your best players on the field. Where was Harold Perkins? What was that? Yeah. So what we, was that? That, that was one of the big questions today. They've moved him over to Sam linebacker. Uh, they moved him out of the inside linebacker spot and they've kind of stuck him on the outside Why? Uh, the last several weeks. Um, and it, he's had a lot of great opportunities yeah. rushing the passer and right. kind of creating some havoc back there. But what 
Tennessee did, and this is kind of how Coach Kelly explained it to us without digging too into the weeds. They split, you know, five wide guys, five wide receivers out, and it really hurt LSU in terms of being able to use Perkins because they felt like they needed an extra corner, an extra defensive back out there to keep up with the speed uh, that some of those receivers play with at Tennessee. Um, and on top of that, they had somebody spying uh, Hendon Hooker the whole game. I thought uh, he'd be the perfect Perkins, guy to Perkins do it. Would have been the best guy to do that. Yes. They were using Baskerville a lot for that, kind of a more veteran guy. Um, so you know, look, uh, I I initially kind of was thinking that because they use him in so many different special packages. Um, that it was just going to be harder to sub him in and out of the field because of how fast Tennessee moves offensively. Um, but that that wasn't a part of the plan, and I think he just just didn't fit what they were trying to do schematically against Tennessee, and, and they're going to roll him out there against Florida because they think it's a, a much more uh, a much better matchup for him. Uh, Glenn West, go to four seven sports. Your opinion of uh, Brian? Look. You go for it on fourth down. If you do it and you're successful, you are a hero. That's our kind of coach. When you don't, everybody starts to put the spotlight on you and speculate. To me, early on, I didn't agree with going it on fourth down. I would have attempted a field goal. I know you've had issues with that. I would have tried to kick a fit, get some points on the board. Um, And then right before the half, you go for it again and you give Tennessee the ball back again. So I I agreed with the first two, um, fourth and four, fourth and one, you're down kind of near the red zone in both situations. Um, You need seven. I mean, like Tennessee's pulled ahead early. They're up double digits on you. You can't trade field goals for touchdowns, and that's That's what LSU was doing. So I understood the first two. Um, The last one was – I, I will never understand the fourth and 10 from around midfield. Um, you're you're kind of going in already with a little bit of momentum because you just scored a touchdown. You just gotten a stop on defense. Uh, you, you pin them inside their own, what, 10, five yard line at the best. If you're, if your special teams works out the way that you hope, uh, <laughs> yeah. but instead, you know, you go for it on fourth and 10, you're down 20 to seven and you get sacked there and yeah. then you give up a field goal mm-hmm. uh, and you're, now down 23 to seven and knowing that uh, Tennessee gets the ball out of halftime, they score. And then the game's essentially over. I mean, it's like the last two minutes there really, really hurt LSU in terms of their confidence, in terms of the momentum they were starting to build there. Um, and yeah, I just, I didn't get that one, but you know, I think the other two, you have to be aggressive in those short yardage okay. situations. That's fair. Uh, Glenn West, go to four, seven sports. He gets all the credit when they win. They get all the blame. When you lose, you assess um, Jaden Daniels performance. Yeah. I mean, I was um, a little bit more surprised when Kelly came out and said that, you know, the passing offense was the strength of the, of the offense on Saturday. Um, I didn't see it. I mean, he ended up throwing for 300 yards, but a lot of that was empty calories, empty stats at the end of right. the game when they were already out. Yep. They didn't execute when they needed to to keep that game close. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just am becoming more and more believable or believe that the only way you can have success with this offense is if you lean into what he does best, which is run. And I think you have to design more runs for him. You have to get the ball out of his hand quicker. Um, and cause he, he's not looking at the third or fourth option on his reads. He's looking at first, second, and then he's off. And if that's going to be how he plays it in game, 
you've got to adjust. I mean, you can rehearse it as much in practice as you can when guys mm-hmm. aren't coming at you and aren't tackling you. Um, but if you can't if you can't match it in the game, then there's no reason game planning for looking at fourth and fifth options. So yeah. um, I, I think they have simplify to simplify it, man. They have to really simplify, simplify it. it here over yep. the next couple of weeks. Yep. Make sure Got that to. you're comfortable with what he's doing, um, and and take away some of the some of the more I guess inconsistencies in his game. You know what I'm getting a lot of people are text messaging me and all. Is it? What do you think if Miles Brennan were here, um, this team might be, you know, yeah, a I've better had, passing uh, team? And I, I think they would definitely be a better passing team. I do. I don't know if he'd be able team. to stand upright, but yeah, I think they'd be a better thing. passing team. So yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean like that's the risk you run with running with a guy like Miles or like Nussmeyer. Uh, like Howard, I mean, those guys are mobile. I mean, they can get out of some sticky situations in the pocket, but LSU's talking about going to a seven-man protection this weekend because they can't block up front. They can't open up running lanes. They can't keep the quarterback upright. So at least in Daniel's case, if you have a guy who can evade some of those situations and potentially move the sticks a couple times, then you're in a better spot. So it's just pick your poison, honestly. I mean, LSU's just offensively right now in a big, big – cluster and you got to figure out you know kind of the balance of being able to limit what Jaden can do you know offensively because of his inefficiencies and you got to be able to find those efficient ways that he can help the offense it's almost to the point where Brian uh, needs to start thinking about if we win the coin toss heck I, I don't want my special teams out there to uh to catch the ball I'm going to kick it this time and play to our strength which is defense we're a better second half team let's get the ball to start the second half Maybe right. Got to try something yeah. different. I mean, they they kicked it to uh they kicked it to Auburn. So yeah. Um. But you 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 kind of saw what happened there. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I mean, they just can't catch a break on special teams. No. Like, it's no. just really. I mean, just hadn't been great. You know, the last couple of weeks for LSU in any facet. I mean, they got the run game going a little bit against Auburn, but right. um, other than that, you you you've got to. You, you've got to start systematically changing what you're doing. And I think it starts this weekend against Florida. Florida's a what? Three and a half point opening favorite, depending upon who you uh, make think, your investments with. I think with. they were two and a half, which is, you know, kind of the Vegas talk for it. If, they, if this game was played at a neutral site, it'd be a push game. So like, right. It's um, going to be a, it's going to be a, a, an interesting one. It's definitely one of those SEC games that LSU can have. that's gettable um, yeah. where they're not going to be overpowered by talent or anything like that, or by scheme or by, uh, personnel, they're 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 going to have a chance, and they just got to make some of these corrections. Simple, it's simple. If both teams play well, which quarterback plays the best? That's it. Yeah, that'll That's be it. a big part of it. That'll be a big part of it. And Richardson's had his moments this year where he's looked like a Heisman candidate, and he's looked like uh, yeah, starting not- for <laughs> starting for an FCS school. I mean, like, it's, it's just. It's, it's night and day, and if we know anything well, about LSU the last couple of years, they'll make them look like a Heisman candidate if they can. So yeah. they've, they've got to they've got to improve dramatically in a lot of different areas. Glenn West, go two four seven sports. They talk about coaches when they win a total team effort. Well, when they lose, that was a total team effort: offense, defense, special teams, and coaches. They got yeah. beat across the board, plain and simple. Got to flush it. Got to get ready for for the swamp, which is never an easy place. But Glenn, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you, Jordy. All right. Glenn West, go to four, seven sports senior writer does a tremendous job. Um, 
I said the Astros open up postseason play against the Seattle Mariners. You can listen to the matchup between the ALS, AL West rivals right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Astro launch starts at 207 tomorrow, Tuesday. First pitch set for 237. Don't forget to tune in Tuesday for Mariners at the Astros here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back to wrap up our number one next. Uh, welcome back, boys and girls. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back, serving up a slice of history and deliciousness every year. Pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest, where the public is the judge. And, of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, Visit 33, call 337 331 6352. That's 337 331 6352. Or visit the town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. All right, we're going to go around the SEC with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Blake Rafino will share his thoughts on this uh, LSU football team. Six down, six to go. Whew. They had a little slice of humble pie themselves, right, against Tennessee. We'll be back. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on The Game. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. 10th of the year, 2022, hour number two, and away we go. Saints with a big win. They had to have it. And uh, whoo, whoo, what we saw come through Tiger Stadium was something else, and it wasn't good for Tiger Faithful. With that in mind, I asked Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, to join us today to kind of recap the week that uh, weekend that was in the SEC uh, and Tony, my biggest thank you for the time as always, my friend. My biggest takeaway is good old Rocky Top. Man, they are good and they are back. And boy, what a week, what a matchup that sets for. You might have a tough time getting a ticket for that one, big guy, when Bama comes to, to Neyland Stadium. Well, there's a lot of great tradition. Uh, not, not, not much of it recent right. between Tennessee and uh, Alabama. Matter of fact, uh, Nick Saban came. 2007 he's 15 and up yeah. never never lost to him and that's the that's the longest streak ever there was an 11 game streak between them from 1971 to 1981 but uh there's a lot of great history here and i was stunned by the lsu tennessee score me too uh, i picked i picked tennessee to win the game but my goodness gracious and uh Hennon hooker yeah he's pretty good yeah yeah he can throw it he can run it but he's just He's just poised. He understands what they want. And look, Josh Heupel, the right high. I'm telling everybody, Nebraska, go fly to Carolina and go get Matt Rule. He got fired today. Go get Matt Rule. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. He can do it at Nebraska. Am I nuts? No, you're not. Not at all. Not at all. Matt Rule is going to – it's going to be interesting to see which schools go after Matt Rule because, as you said, 
he did it. He did it at Baylor, and he did it very well at Baylor, as a matter yeah. of fact. And really set up uh, Dave Aranda. When Dave Aranda showed up, he he got a football program that was in pretty good shape. Absolutely. And so yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the openings we have. I don't think anybody's gotten fired yet. Of course, as the guy said in City Slickers, day ain't over yet. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be interesting to see which schools go after rule. Well, well, uh, when they fire Brian Harson, will Auburn try and go after Urban Meyer? That's kind of seems like the name to to go after, but I'm not that, so sure. That sounds like that's long sounds like something from a chat board that somebody would say. Okay. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't believe Urban Meyer. First of all, I'm not sure he'll ever. He may coach again at a slower level. Okay. But I don't see him coaching at this level, and I do not see him coaching in the Southeastern Conference. He doesn't For a lot of reasons, we could, yeah. we could, Jordan, we could do a whole show <laughs> yes. on why that is the case. He ain't no dummy. You don't have to play LSU and Alabama and A&M and Ole Miss and Mississippi. No, 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 no. I'm with you. Um, and not only was I impressed with Hendon Hooker, but, man, Tennessee's defense, they, they stopped the run. Yeah. They, uh, they, they're legit across the board. Well, you always felt that Tennessee was going to move the ball with the quarterbacks and receivers and all that. But you always said, yeah, but if they – man, if they ever get a defense, they might be pretty good. Well, yeah. guess what? Yeah. That defense is playing well, and you can tell that Josh Heupel is excited about the possibility. So it's going to be – you know, hey, college game day is going back. Yes. Back to Knoxville after being there three weeks ago. Well, they'd be that, doesn't, that doesn't happen with our friends at the Worldwide Leader very much. They tells you be, what a big game it is. Yeah, they'd be foolish not to go back. What, what surprised you more, Tennessee's dominance of LSU or the fact that Alabama only beat A&M by four? I, was, I, I thought the game might be close. I didn't think it would be that close. I didn't think Alabama would turn it over, turn it over four times. Yeah. And obviously, look – they are a different football team when Bryce Young's not playing. He's yes. the Heisman Trophy winner. He's right. really, really good. Right. And Jalen Milrow came in and did what he could do. But there's there's only so much of the playbook you can give a guy that young because if you give him too much, guess what? He's going to be thinking and he's not going to execute. So that I thought I thought Alabama did what they could with him. Uh, and so the, and and Texas A&M's defense is pretty good. So I, I was. I was a little surprised that it was that close, but the, the LSU game, I was shocked by that. Does Jimbo Fisher need to give up the the play calling duties and 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 find somebody else to do it? Because that that last play, fourth, you know, from the two with one play left to go, didn't leave a lot to the imagination in my humble football mind. It, my, my keen my keen analysis on that, Jordy, was what was that. My goodness! And if do yourself a favor, go Google uh, Nick Saban explaining his defense on the last play. He was with Chris Stewart during the show. I heard it. I'm like, I don't understand half the stuff he's talking about. I have no, I have, I know nothing about football. I really don't. Because after he finished explaining it, I said, I have no idea what any of those words mean. <laughs> he's talking a different language, man. He's got all kind of terms for this guy and that guy and the green dog and the robber and uh, crazy, but. Jimbo, um, that wasn't very imaginative in my mind. You have got in a, in that point. Well, it's a, as Coach Saban pointed out, it's a two point conversion. That's what it is. All right. Yeah. yeah. You've got to if offensively. Ain't nobody playing zone on a two point uh, conversion. You know, well, offense offensively in that situation, two point conversion. If your quarterback can move at all, 
you have got to put him in a situation where he has a run-pass option, where he can right. run it. If the defense comes up, you throw it behind them. If yeah. they don't, take the off. Goal, the goal line's only two yards away, Jordy. Yeah. So, and, I no, I did not think that showed a whole lot of imagination because you knew the other guy, the guy coaching defense for the Crimson yeah. Tide, you Pretty knew good. he would have an answer. For yeah, something. of course. Uh, is this is – this- Tennessee's golden opportunity. Uh, is this a moment in that they've been waiting for forever in a day? And is it too big of a moment for them? That is what we're going to find out. That That's a great question. Is it too, because if you haven't been in these moments, you don't know what they feel like. And that's right. Shoot, Alabama's in, in this every week. week. They yeah. do it. They do it every week. Yeah. So it, it's going to be, I, I'm, I got to believe that Josh Heupel is going to come out smoking. Okay, in other words, you're not going to run it and possess it and try to shorten the game. You're going to do no. You're going to do any of that. You're going to come out smoking and try to try to take the top off the defense early on and get up, get up, and because if, if I've been in Knoxville when it's when the place is overflowing, if that if that team goes up seven to nothing, it is going to be crazy. <laughs> I get scared in that stadium. I think that thing's going to uh, collapse when they got that many. It's like a tinker torque. Ticker box, whatever you call it. I was it. there in 98 when they broke the, the winning, Florida's winning streak and went on to win the national championship. I was in the press box because back in those days I had deadlines and yeah. I had I was writing my story. And literally when the Florida kicker missed the field goal to send the game into another overtime, the press box literally was swaying. I believe it. Back and forth. Yeah, it I was, believe it. It was unbelievable. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, with us. One good thing Alabama discovered with um, their Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback out, they, they found a running back. That dude, Jameer Gibbs, is special. Special. Well, yeah. That's what Georgia Tech would tell you because last year he played for them. Yeah. He's Alvin Kamara re- part two. No question. No question. Maybe a little faster than Alvin. Yeah. He, he finds the seam and, bam, he shot out of a cannon. And that's, uh, but that you know, that's what Alabama does. Alabama would need they needed some help at running back. Well, they go get Georgia Tech's best running back. They yeah, needed nope. help at wide receiver. They went and got Georgia's best wide that's, receiver. Yeah. Last year they needed some help at linebacker. They took Tennessee's best linebacker. That's right. That's Welcome right. to the portal, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, boy, I tell you what, when you don't have your quarterback, nobody feels sorry for you. Kentucky nope. didn't have theirs, and South Carolina nope. got some. Got a little sunglasses and dancing in the locker room after that one. Well, and the thing about it, you, it's hard to ask a backup quarterback yeah. to go, who hasn't played. I mean, the guy hadn't played. You can't ask a whole lot of him, but you didn't really have any choice. But we see now Kentucky's a good football team with their starting quarterback, but they're not a very good team without him. Right. Are you all in with Ole Miss now? They're 6-0, and 2-0 and in the SEC. They they slow, slowly got cranking against Vandy. Uh, and in the second half, they just pooh this dart through for four forty-eight. Um, right. uh, are you all in on the uh, on the Rebels? I was all in a week ago when they beat Kentucky. Okay. I picked Kentucky to win that game straight up because I did not believe that Ole Miss. Uh, to quote the great late great Pat Dye, I wasn't convinced that Ole Miss was man enough to play Kentucky. Guess what? They are. They're a physical football team that's playing better defense and they run the ball with a lot of authority they do and so yeah it's listen the month of the rest of this october is going to be absolutely incredible as all these teams 
start playing. So, and hey, let's don't forget our friends at Mississippi State. I was just going to ask you about them. Oh, how in the heck man. did LSU? How did LSU beat them like they did? Who, who I, figure it, it is. It is inexplicable because I said today in my column, I said I don't know how that happened. Mississippi State ought to be six and up. And so, and my, think about this, Mike Leach is we spend a lot of time laughing at Mike, and he says entertaining stuff to entertain us at the press conference. Guy's a good football coach. Okay, he's a good football coach. And he's got, and, and you know what? Everybody, everybody they told run me the ball. that that you know, Tony, his third year, they'll be good. I said, ah, oh, come on. Yeah. I mean, they'll be all right, but all right, you know. I thought he's a gimmick. Again, I, I undersold Lane Kiffin. I undersold him as well. Uh, I thought he was a gimmicky coach, and you know, co- the, yeah. the coaches in this league are gonna figure it out and do this and do that. But the thing they're doing more now than. They, they got guys that can run for over a hundred and they've mm-hmm. done it in consecutive weeks now. And if you, if you can run the ball in this league, when you want to run them yeah. in this league, it, yeah. it spells all, it's all the difference in the world. Uh, early thoughts, uh, Florida beat Missouri 24, 17. It seems Florida and LSU are kind of two teams in the same basket. Um, new head yeah. coaches. Um, there's a reason why they're there because the talent kind of fell off a little bit. Um, they've had good moments. Florida kind of did what they did against Utah. They battled back against Tennessee. LSU did what they did against Mississippi State, and they took care of business against Auburn. Uh, what are your early thoughts in the swamp, 6 o'clock kickoff? Florida is a re- real hard team to get a gauge of. But I will say this. As long as they've got 15, Anthony Richardson, yeah, they got yeah. a chance every time that they play. Yeah. And so I, 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 I like I like the way that Florida's built for the long haul. I told all of my Gator friends, I said, this year will be up and down and you'll be very frustrated because you're trying to rebuild that roster. Uh, but I think long-term things are going to get be pretty good at Florida. So early on Florida playing at home, I like Florida. Um, if Brian Harson doesn't get fired this week, he's got to go to Oxford uh, to play Ole Miss, that's an 11 o'clock kickoff. If they lose and lose convincingly there, I don't know how you keep the plug plugged in. Well, I, I thought if, if they weren't competitive against Georgia last Saturday, that that might do it. Yeah. I mean, because what, 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 what point are you trying to make? So, right. yeah, and, I, and look, everybody talked about the fact that Auburn opened the season with five straight home games. That's great. Yeah. But what that means is the back half of your schedule is just absolutely brutal, brutal, yes. brutal. and yes. it's it. I don't. It's hard to see a lot of wins there. How many boats can they pull up to Neyland Stadium for their uh, their boat parade, like tailgating? I mean, how, oh, yeah. how many slips do they have out there, man? And, and Calhoun's they they're not going to have enough beer to serve all the people. Well, you you have to go out and uh, go to go go to Oklahoma or, or Omaha or something. And get you some more ribs because you ain't gonna have no ribs on Saturday. Right. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna run out of ribs about noon, man. man. Are you kidding me? How, no, it's, I hope I hope the weather's great because it'll be one of those great great Saturdays in in college football for those yeah. folks, and they they've been waiting so long. Oh, this is awesome. I mean, and and they thought they thought maybe that Florida was going to be the high point when they beat Florida. Yeah, man, but now all of a sudden, here's Alabama ranked number one, and they look somewhat human at times. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a great atmosphere. 
Yeah, who's going to be the celebrity picker? I, I I still think it's going to be Peyton Manning. I just I just got a funny feeling about Ooh. that. What do that, you think? That would be that that would be kind of fun. I that think would be that kind would, of fun. I think that's just the only way they can go on that thing. So, um, why well, it's you're you're the historian here. Where does this one rank in Tennessee football history as far as the enormity of it? You know, I, I, I got to believe that this goes back to 98. The, the 98 game when they beat Florida and snapped Florida's – T. Martin, the quarterback, right? Thing it was. The, it, ha, it has to rank one up there with that one. I mean, I was, I was there for that one. Yeah. And, and the atmosphere was just absolutely incredible. But, again, we're talking about a number one Alabama team uh, that's won all these national championships. And second year under Josh Heupel. Think about that. Second, the yeah. second year – and they are now being talked about as a possibility to win this win this game. It's uh, it's going to be fun. It is right up there. He is um, all right. So we both agree that uh, Matt Rule is going to be a high commodity for a bunch of schools that have already gotten rid of coaches. He it's amazing. He's going to get paid by Carolina not to coach. He's going to get another check of a huge number to coach some college football team, like really soon, I believe. Is this a great country or what? Oh my God. Oh my God. You think Jimbo Fisher is sitting back there going, you know what? Y'all can say all the things you want about me and chastise me and criticize me. Get If you get rid of me, I, I, what am I going to do with about my $85 million? What am yeah. I going to do? Well, I have to do something, you know, you know, probably have to invest in some good, you know, some savings bonds and some long-term oh. stuff like that, you know. Now, well, that's the thing, Jimbo. But I I wrote this morning that Jimbo, what he, what happened by that game against Alabama? He bought himself the rest of this year. Okay, yeah. I don't I don't care what I don't care what happens. Yeah, he is not going to get fired because he went to Alabama and came within one play at the two yard line of right. beating Alabama, the number one team in the country. So yeah, amazing. Amazing. All right. We shall see you. Mr. College football. Um, you got a lot of work on your plate. I know this week. So, uh, are you heading to Knoxville? Are you going to just be like us and just watch it? I'm, I'm, as, as I told somebody, I'm going to be at Vizio stadium, which is, which is my <laughs> home office. And, uh, I can learn, I've got a bunch of other games I need to watch and, uh, I can just learn a lot more. Uh, by watching at home. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. It, it turned out those people that decide what games they want on CBS were pretty smart. I mean, you, you know, they got Georgia on there. That was kind of a better game than LSU, Tennessee. Yep. God. Yep. Oh, well. They got the right one this week, Alabama at Tennessee. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be some, Bryce Young's going to play, right? If he can walk, he's going to play. Well, here's the, Nick Saban said in his, his presser today, he hopes he'll play. He's getting exam according to what I've read. Mm-hmm. He's going to get re-examined this afternoon, and the doctor basically it's a you know it's really a question pain. for the it's a pain it's a pain management situation. And the thing about it is, you can say, "Oh, I can manage the pain." Well, if if you're taking three miles an hour off of your fastball, you're not managing the pain, mm-hmm. and you won't you won't throw it as hard as you need to throw it because you don't want to. You know why? Because it hurts, Jordy. Yeah. He's, not gonna hurts. Wanna, he's not going to want to run and get hit either. I can promise right, exactly. you that. So you've yeah. got to, you've got to make, you got to, you know, and you're going to do this. You're going to listen to the doctors. Yeah. Hey, what, what are we talking about here? So, because this guy's got a bright future exactly. uh, when this is over. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Tony, always great catching up with you, buddy. Have a All great right, Jordy, week. Thank you.
Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, um, getting it done again. Tennessee at Alabama. Um, I hear the end zone seats, the upper uppers are going for quite the pretty penny. Um, So we shall see. We shall see what happens. We'll get more into that uh, throughout the course of the week. Uh, The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues that's because once you become a member of our rewards club you have an opportunity to win excellent prizes like a 150 dollars gift certificate to mr lester's steakhouse at cypress bayou or a 50 dollars gift certificate to the half shell oyster house or even a 25 dollars gift certificate to mabel's kitchen but you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today. We'll be back with more. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 30, let's see, 25 minutes uh, after the hour. We're going to get to Blake Rafino here uh, in just a few minutes. Do a little quick segment here. Um, and I want to tell you about the Festival Acadian Duathlon. It's time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run and duathlon of Festival Acadian at Creole. Race through Lafayette's historic district. End up at Girard Park for Festival Acadian and Creole on Sunday October 16th, compete in the 5K or the 10K or the run paddle run in the duathlon. Taking part in the event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival that you love. Volunteer or register at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. Don't forget, again, tomorrow uh, we will not have the Jordy Hulpert Show because it's uh, postseason baseball for the Astros, and they open up against the Seattle Mariners tomorrow. You can listen to the matchup between the AL West rivals right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Astro launch starts at 207 on Tuesday. First pitch set for 237. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Mariners at the Astros at Minute Maid Park here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, Cowboys get another win, 22-10 over the Rams. We'll wrap up uh, this week of the NFL tonight on Monday Night Football. You can listen to that here on the game uh, as the Raiders are in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Don't be surprised if the Raiders play pretty well here. The 49ers just blew the Panthers out, 37-15. Matt Rule out the door. Titans beat the Commanders, 21-17. Vikings outlasted the Bears, 29-22. The Bills all over the Steelers. It wasn't even close. 38 to 3. The Jets. How about the New York J-E-T-S? Jets, Jets, Jets with a 40-17 win over the Dolphins. Uh, different team without Tua. The Bucks uh hold on um and get a win over the Falcons. Falcons are yeah, they're playing better than people think. 21-15. The Bucks get the win. Uh the Jags lose, lose to the Texans. 13 to 6. Deshaun Watson's back uh, in the locker room and on the practice field. He can't play yet, but his Browns lost to the Chargers 30 to 28. Whew, what happened to the fun and gun Detroit Lions? 
Bill Belichick and company, Patriots 29, Lions zip, and the Giants upset the Packers 27-22 in London. How about them apples? Yes, indeed. So when you look at the NFL standings um, in the NFC South, it's uh, the Saints needed that win in a big, big time way. The Bucks are at three and two. Saints are two and three. Falcons are two and three. And the Panthers are headed south at one and four. Still only one undefeated team. And that's the Eagles. They're five and oh, um, pretty darn good to say the least. Shocked by the Packers loss. Um, and everything else, it's it's parity across across the board, across the board. The 49ers took the lead in the NFC West. They're three and two. Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks are all two and three. NFC East, Eagles five and zero. Oh. Cowboys four and one. Giants four and one. And the Commanders from Washington are one and four. So still early, very early in the NFL, but boy, that was a must win scenario. Thank you, Taysom Hill. Thank you, Alvin Kamara, um, for doing what you did, running that football, catching passes out of the backfield, and even Taysom throwing a touchdown. Pretty special, pretty special. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to get back to the LSU debacle that was, uh, look, it was a bad day, bad day. The program is not bad. The game was bad. Tennessee just was a far superior team, far superior. I go back, look where LSU was at 2019, look where Tennessee was at 2019. (laughs) LSU was great. Tennessee was mediocre at best, at the very best. Now, just three short years later, LSU's mediocre at best. Tennessee's pretty special. We'll find out how special they are, if they can hold serve, and winning home against Alabama in the in the colossal battle of unbeatens uh, this Saturday in Knoxville. So we'll see. So it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. Something that we don't like. Something that we don't we don't like. And let's let's face it. From 2000 to 2020, I mean LSU was great, great. Past couple of years, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time. I'm not pointing the finger at you, Coach O, but I kind of am. You kind of fell asleep at the wheel. You took all the spoils that came with success and you you fell asleep at the wheel. It's true. You fell asleep at the wheel and you you just went for five stars and four stars, but you didn't look at the character. You didn't look at the heart. You didn't look at the drive and the desire. Just didn't. And now we're paying the price for that. But it's going to work out. It's going to work out. All right, quick timeout. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. When we return, to the Jordy Helpert Show here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for those LSU Tigers and those Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back at uh, 35 minutes after the hour. LSU's four-game winning streak is over. They're staying in the AP poll at number 25. Lasted just a week. It all came to a crashing halt with a 40-13 beatdown at the hands of 
number eight Tennessee on Saturday in Tiger Stadium. I'm dying. I'm dying to hear the thoughts of our next guest from the RU Serious podcast, my good friend, Mr. Blake Rafino. Blake, how you doing, man? Jordy, I don't know how you grew up, but I'm just going to tell you kind of how I did. Do you remember as a kid, if you were being bad on a road trip and your mama pulled the car over on the side of the road and told you to get out the van and go get a switch because you're about to get your rear end beat, if that were a football game, it was. It happened to Death Valley Saturday. Woo, um, man! They got they got beat by a better offense. LSU's defense was not good. Special teams continues to be horrendous. And Josh Heupel and his staff out coached Brian Kelly and his staff. Plain and simple. Is that is that a fair assessment? Not only that, Jordy. I think execution is a big part of it. Right, meaning. You know, I, I think, and I'm, this is not to um, give Brian Kelly a pass whatsoever because they did gotcha. get out coached. Shorty, they got outplayed to the highest order, mm-hmm. and and at the same time being out coached. You know what, what's crazy, Jordy, is that I'm breaking down this. The LSU offense's Achilles heel all season has been what attacking the uh, attacking vertically. Third and one, you're down by ten. You go for you try to take a shot down the field and get mad at your quarterback for not throwing the ball into double coverage. Brian Kelly was yelling at Jane for not throwing it at Kayshawn in double coverage. Hmm. Okay, Jordy, they they had six inches because and they went for it on fourth down. With, they ran it with Josh Williams and they didn't get it. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, there's so many things, and I think that there is really just a lack of execution on so many levels. Jordy, Tennessee's defensive line ran for over five yards per carry and literally lined up and punched you in the mouth. There's mm-hmm. not – is there schemes that can help you there? Yes, LSU attempted to run them on Saturday. Okay, but there's points and times where if you can't line up and go man-on-man man and win – that what you saw Saturday is going to happen. Yeah. And I just, you know, at some point we got to start asking the question, if there's, inter- if there's internal problems, Jordy, is it, is it all on coaching? Or do, do these players have to look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, we had Coach O, we had Ensminger, we've had Pete, we've had Mangus, we've had Jones, we, we've had Polini. We've had now Matt House. Jordy, what's the constant? The players. You have a lot of the same carryover, right? And I'm not trying to call these players out, but at some point, Jordy, and you know this as a former player, you have to go in that locker room and say, guys, is it us? Yeah, yeah. There's no question about that. No question about that. Um, Look, you're starting two freshmen on the offensive line, um, you yep. lose two more, a freshman and Dellinger, you lose them. So you're, you're piecemeal and everything. It just, that one position group kind of sums up everything to me. Um, the, the, the level of talent or the, the level of talented depth, it's just not there. And, and that's not Brian Kelly's fault. I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm pointing the finger at coach. O. 
uh, I think he fell asleep at the wheel and recruiting wasn't up to par. And maybe they weren't doing the homework that they did to find the right players. I don't care how many stars you got. That doesn't mean anything to me. Doesn't mean a thing to me. Can you play? Uh, and and that kind of sums up where this program is right now, because I said it earlier, I'll say it to you. Look where LSU was in 2019. At that same time, look where Tennessee was. LSU was great. Tennessee was mediocre at best. Three years later, LSU's mediocre at best. Tennessee's pretty special. Don't you agree? Yeah, I agree. And, and they have a lot of buy-in. Jordan, there's not – Tennessee did not beat LSU in recruiting any of these last four or five. I know. I not know. once. Not once. But what do they do well? They go out there and, and have the want to, right? Like they want to do it. And I agree with BK when he says we are in the middle of our process. And he's right. George, there's no – and look, you ha, I get it. And I will give the offensive line somewhat of a pass this past week in reference right. to you've got so many injuries. You're, yep. You know, now you're going into your sixth offensive line uh, combination. Look, I, there's going to be growing pains. You can't no – the doubt. realistic fact is you can't expect exceptional play out of them throughout the – throughout. Okay, but what you have to do is you have to scheme around that, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to scheme better to be able to mask a def- a major deficiency, and they're not able to do that. And when they do do that, either number one, Jane doesn't hit a wide open receiver, or they drop it. You know, yep. I, I I'm I, I watch the entire game. And everybody keeps asking me, why does he not attack downfield? Me and your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Jordy Jeray Jenkins, I get the ball's tipped. I get it. A finger a fingernail is not a tip, in my opinion. The ball has to wobble and have a very big course of correction for me to think a wide receiver should not come down with the ball. If Jeray Jenkins catches that pass, Jordy, it's twenty thirteen. It's a touchdown. Or it's a whole different game. Right? Yeah. You throw you throw a fade route to Malik Neighbors in the end zone. He 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 does not catch it. The ball pops up because he panics in the middle of the air. It gets picked off. You know what that sounds a lot like? Kayshawn Booty week one against Florida State, does it not? Yeah. So not to take what Jaden is doing because you gotta still go after it. You still have to make those passes. You still have to make those throws, no matter the outcome. Because you're not going to get pulled when your receiver makes a bad play. What you what will happen though is okay. We got to make a play here, and if I throw this, he not only is this guy not coming down with it during the game, Jordan. My question would be: Are they coming down with it at practice? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, who knows? At the beginning of the season, our our argument, I say our argument, our concern was is that Jane Daniels can't hit intermediate passes. Now the reverse has happened. All he's doing is hitting intermediate passes. Yeah. Okay. And and Jordy, I I mean, I hate to say that there's been some execution regression offensively, but there has been. Okay. When's the last, Jordy, when's the last time you've ever seen Jack Best miss a catch? Ever. Yeah. You're right. I've never seen an LSU football team that can't run the ball a lick. A lick. 
No, and, and Jordan, here's here's another thing. And I like look, it's it's an easy it's a very easy take to say the O line played bad in some of these run fits. I agree. There were a lot that was in there. Jordy, there are so many lanes that we'll break down tonight on the show. Jordy, if they bust it outside, they go for twenty. Oh, I understand. John Emery buzz John Emery in a zone inside read, if he busted outside, Jordy, there's nobody there. Literally. Yep. The entire defense for uh, for Tennessee got wa- got into the wash, and it was blocked perfectly. The problem is, is you just can't run what the play is called because sometimes, like Klein Edwards-Alaire, like Leonard Fournette, like all of these great backs that we've Instincts, seen, baby. Instincts. You have to make plays. Instincts. Yeah, they just have a feel yes. for it. They understand it. None of these guys do. Uh, no offense to them, but they they just don't. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious <clears throat> podcast. I call Brian Polian and I like him. I've met him. I've talked to him. Nicest guy in the world. I call him the weatherman. Doesn't matter how many times you screw up the forecast, you're still there. And that special teams unit keeps screwing up week after week. In, in fact, it's not getting better. It's it it's not even holding level. It's getting worse again. I know he doesn't catch the ball. But you got to have people that stay in their lanes. You got to be able to block. You got to be able to execute. Got to get the right people. That's coaching. And right now, as good of a recruiter as he is, that's as bad as a special teams coach he has become. Yeah, I can't. There's no excuses. You know, there's no. You know, I I don't. I don't, Jordy. You. There's three things. Number one, you can't convince me that there's nobody on this team that can't field the punt or kickoff. Okay, if you've got to put Kayshawn back there, Jordy, and tell him to fair catch every single punt and kickoff, that is completely fine. Okay, if you've got to put Jeray Jenkins back there, that's completely fine. There's got to be somebody that can catch a a kickoff. There's got to be somebody that has the heart to say, you know what, this guy cannot move me off the line that is my assignment. Jordy, of the first eight plays, two special teams plays dictated the game. Really. And truthfully, you're down 10. In eight plays, Jordy, you were down 10. Okay? And it just, I don't. And then then we questioned Brian Kelly, Jordy, well, why is he going for it on fourth down? Well, would you trust the special teams? No. Because getting beat 40 to 13 doesn't really matter to me. What matters to me is how you're calling the game. You know, Jordy, this is a very, and this being number three, this game is a lot like we saw from Lane Kiffin against Alabama a season ago. Hey, coach, why aren't you kicking the field goal? Oh, so we lost 40 to 27 instead of 40 to 13. You still lost. Yeah. Okay. You still got to make, try to make something happen. I think that they tried and they failed. I, I think that they, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know anymore. I just don't. Uh, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Um, so let's look at it. They've got, they got to go to Gainesville to take on Florida. They get Ole Miss here, Alabama here. They got to go to Arkansas. They get UAB here and they close things out at Texas A&M. Six games left. You've got one, two, three on the road, three at home. You're playing an undefeated Ole Miss, an undefeated Alabama at the time. Arkansas, maybe not what people thought they would be. They've taken a step back. A&M, certainly not what people thought they would be, taking a step back. But they're both on the road. 
what's realistic out of these six games? What do you, what do you anticipate? Uh, you know, I still think you can beat UAB. I still think you can beat yeah. A&M. I still think that you can beat um, Arkansas if K.J. Jefferson doesn't return. You've got, Jordy, I hate to, I hate to use the coach monitor, but you've got to take it one game at a time because, you know, it would be crazy. It would be crazy that Brian Kelly has an Ed Orgeron moment where you lose to Troy, you go to Florida, you reset, you find a way to win. It doesn't matter to me how they win anymore this season. Right. It never really did matter. Okay, because if you find ways to win, you can mask a lot of deficiencies and no find doubt. those deficiencies to get better at, right? Yeah. Winning yeah. can cure a lot of things, and they got to find a way. Look, one way one way you win is keeping Harold Perkins on the field, okay? <laughs> Thank now, you. Thank I, you. I don't know. <laughs> Jordy, I don't know the, the game plan behind that. Now, I will say this. In defense of Matt House, they did put him out there, and, Jordan, they ran right at him three straight times. They got 29 rushing yards, okay? I, 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 to, that, to that point, I don't know if, if, if it was for them that Harold Perkins' defensive lack of experience hindered him here because, Jordan, when you, if you're out of position, okay, they're going for seven. Okay, like that, it's mm-hmm. not a game with what they're running. I just don't know what that was. Now you're going to need him here. You got to tell him, look, wherever number, wherever fifteen goes, you go, and you got to make, you got to let him play. But it just, it's going to be a week by week basis. I hate to say it like that, but I, no. don't, I don't because Jordy. Here's the truth: Can they go out and beat Ole Miss? Yes. On the road, Vandy was on the road. Ole Miss was losing to Vandy. You can do it. It's it's a matter of will you and do you want to. And then Ole Miss came back and scored over fifty. So I, yeah, I'm with you. I look, I understand. I do. Ole Miss pretty good. Uh, The most important game is the next game, and Florida is kind of on the same plane as LSU. I mean, they're new coaches, and there's a reason why they're there. There's the talent levels kind of similar. Um, this is a this is a critical game for LSU. Critical game for Florida. Yeah, it really in truth, really and truthfully, and you know what comes down to this too: should LSU have hired Billy Napier? God bless it, Jordy. If LSU loses, <laughs> oh God, I knew you were going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. But but Jordy, is it not the truth? No, it's the truth. Pitchfork, pitchforks will be at Scott Woodward's doorstep. If LSU loses to oh, this man, Lord. you know it and I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see, my friend. Well, you should have a very <laughs> fun podcast with all kinds of interaction. And uh, it, it, look, these kind of games happen. The most important thing now is what does that team in that locker room really feel about themselves? What do they really feel? Because this thing can go south in a hurry if you, like you said, if they're not bought in. Um, it could go south in a hurry. How good are they? How, how do they feel about themselves? Do they still want to get after it and do it and and salvage this thing? Because they, you know, still, um, you know, why not? But we, that's the most important thing. We'll see. We shall see.
Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Jordan, we, Jordan, thank you so much for having us. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, man. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. We'll take our final timeout of the day. We'll come back and wrap it all up in a nice little bow after this timeout on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where uh, you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ah, still through it all. LSU's 4-2 and two overall, 2-1 two and one in the SEC. It's not all that bad. Uh, as they prepare to visit Florida on Saturday. But look, make no mistake, this team is limited. It's got shortcomings on offense. It's got shortcomings on defense. It's got shortcoming on special teams. And Brian Kelly said, look, we, we play hard. All right, we, we play uh, with heart and fight. But if you don't have execution, you're not going to beat teams like Tennessee and Alabama and Ole Miss. You're just not. You're just not. So long way to go. Everybody has a bad day. They got hopefully they got all of it out in one fell swoop and they can start playing better. But it's gonna take everybody to believe. Take everybody to believe. All right, let's see. Um, special thanks to our guests, Chris Roseverglue of the Saint going talking Saints, Glenn West, LSU, Tony Barnhart around the SEC, Blake Rafino. More on LSU. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with Dale Earnhardt Jr., who is 48 today, and Brett Favre is 53. Brett Favre is the worst thing that ever happened to LSU because he went to uh, Southern Miss, and they won because of Brett Favre, and we got Curly Hallman because of that. Ugh. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, all right, again, tomorrow – this show will not be on the air. Tomorrow we'll have game one of the ALDS between the Astros and the Mariners. Um, 207 Astro talk, whatever, and then 237 first pitch. So we'll be back Wednesday uh, with a new edition as we talk about the, the Cajuns. They'll be in Huntington, West Virginia to take on Marshall. We'll have a preview of that game and uh, much, much more much much more so um again saints must win they got it lsu a little reality check here it doesn't come easy as the old adage rome wasn't built in a day well lsu football is not going to be built in a day this program plummeted under ed orgeron in the two years after the national championship in 2019 it's a multi-year rebuilding project it just is That's the facts. James, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening, and thanks to our partners. Make it possible. Until next time, Wednesday, God willing, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Have a great day, everybody.